Unleash the fury. Unleash the fury! This is Jacob Brotz with JLB Morelia. This is Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. You're listening to the Herpeticulture Podcast. Enjoy. Think you're a sly little think you're a sly little fox. Not anymore, I buddy. Am. I know your games now. Oh God, don't even don't <laughs> even start. Oh, everybody, this is episode seventy-eight of the Herpeticulture Podcast. I am Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And I am Jacob. Jacob, I can't even say my name right. Jacob Brot. Jacob Brot with JLB Morelia. We're gonna be joined shortly by Mr. Brill Bad Bill Bradley. Brill Brill Badley. Yeah. Bill Bradley. Neither of us can talk now. Of uh, Coal Black Exotics. He's got all kinds of stuff. Uh, he's part of the. CritterCon, which is happening in two days' time, day after tomorrow, on Saturday, May 2nd, a bunch of reptile educators are sort of getting together and doing 20-minute long presentations. You can get tickets for like $5 via a link. There's an event page on Facebook for it, and uh, Bill, like I said, he's going to be in there like swimwear. Educating the masses. Yeah. So everyone's stuck at home. You know, it's a good opportunity. A lot of these reptile educators, with this COVID stuff happening, they've taken a pretty significant hit in their income. And uh, this is supposed to help, you know, pad that and help them out a little bit. Right. Exactly. So everybody go check that out. And yeah, it'll be a good time. And it's $5 like per household. I guess per device is probably a better, like, you can pay yeah. $5 and your whole family can gather around. Yeah, watch on the computer, know, computer or iPad TV, or Computer, TV, whatever. If you got one of them smart TVs. One of them, their uh, smart TVs or uh, Apple TVs or whatever the kids talk about. Oh, this monster is so good. Oh, man. I couldn't drink the monster right now if I even wanted to. It hits. It hits so good. That 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 first drink, that uh, bite, ah, uh, oh, you can't beat it. It's so just good. that that crisp, refreshing. I can feel it's it. Delicious. Feel it in my bones. Feel it in your bones. What's been happening this week, buddy? Oh, just the normal man, normal routine, work, clean feed all that garbage i miss you babies are starting to shed so there's that that's pretty cool did you did you hear me no i said i miss you oh i miss you too man i feel like i had never i hadn't seen you in, in forever dude i feel like i, I can haven't barely seen you remember what you look like my hair's grown i'm sure it has because none of the barbershops are yeah it's so <laughs> weird man when i work at the shop across town over by the you know in like plaza yeah, That's yeah. Next door neighbors with a Chinese takeout joint, a barber shop, a nail salon, and like every like we're literally in this building, the only business that's open. 
It's oh, so for real? bizarre. To, yeah, because that parking lot used to be Hoppin' Man because there's a, a tanning salon and stuff that people were just in and out constantly. And that I, whole has nothing has nothing opened up yet over there. No. Oh, I think Subway is probably the only thing that's open. That and Bilo and that Pizza Hut. I, I figured since the governor gave the okay yeah. for businesses to open back up, I figured they'd be rocking and rolling. Yeah, it's wild, man. Like that parking lot is almost always jam packed, and it's not a car in it. Jeez, man. Yeah. It's very strange. How's business for y'all been? Still slow? You know, it actually hasn't been horrible. Hmm. I think uh, they looked at the numbers this time last year and we're only down like, I don't know, 7%, which isn't a lot. Yeah, that's not too bad. Not nearly as horrible as as it could be compared to the other businesses that have to shut down. Yeah. You know, like we, I mean, we're doing really well. I was, I was expecting it to be horrible. Nice. Well, that's good. Like it still gets slow later in the day. Uh, But, and I'm closing up earlier. Like I close at seven, which has been nice because I get home earlier, hang out with the girls. Yeah. And, uh, Kind of take my time getting ready for for this and snakes and stogies or whatever else we're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the plethora of things you have going on. Yes. Speaking of, uh, the seventh issue of Herpeticulture magazine dropped yesterday. Yes. And so check that out. Facebook and Instagram at Herpeticulture magazine. Herpeticulturemagazine.com. You can read issues. You can buy issues. I'm very slowly working on getting all the articles caught up onto the website. Um, there's just there's a motivation on my part to get it all done, and then b finding the time to get it all done. Right, it's tough. So on top of the collection, and on top of family life, and on top of work while I'm at work, you know, there's a lot, a lot going on. Right. Faux show, faux show. You're a busy man. And the next issue is going to be the all chondro issue. Of course. Of course. Hey, I mean, nobody saw that one coming, hey, right? you know, Billy's the one who wanted to do it. Billy came nice. to me. I didn't go, hey, Billy, we should do an all chondro issue. Billy was like, dude, we need to do an all chondro issue. I was like, hell yeah, we do. What am I going to do? Say no? Right. Yeah, that was... Uh... Billy's such a traitor. Uh, he rides the he rides the line between the, the camps. <laughs> yeah, he's got more carpets though, so. He's like Scorpion in Mortal Kombat. He's no one's friend. He's just <laughs> he's, he's a lone wolf. He's my friend. He's not a good guy. He's not a bad guy. He's just there. He exists and he balls out. Are you now that some of those babies are hatching though? Are you, uh, you got some some holdbacks? Hatching. I mean, hatching. shedding. Sorry. There's. You got your eyeball yeah, on a few. There's two, man. I I can't remember off the top of my head if they're both males or not though. Um, but yeah, there's a couple that just they really stick out. You know, as far as pattern, you know, they're brighter. You know, obviously right now, you know. <clears throat> 
pop wins, you know, when they're born, they, they, they're in a red phase, you know, they don't start showing, you know, their mm-hmm. true colors for, you know, a couple months, um, some, some sooner than later, but, um, yeah, right now, you know, obviously they're all still red, but there's a handful that really just like stick out as far as color goes. And, you know, they have, it looks like, you know, right now it's white, you know, their, their patterning is almost white. And then there's, Mm -hmm. you know, the rest of their skin is red, but they're just a lot brighter. Um, there's a couple, they all like, it's like almost all the babies want to be striped, but they're not. Right. You know what I mean? Like they're so close to being like fully striped, but they're not, but there's a handful that are probably 75 plus percent striped. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a handful of those. A lot of them have like the, the back. It's weird. A lot of, with a lot of them, the back end is striped. Like it's like the back 50 to 25% of the animal is just a, a stripe, you yeah. know, and it's it's really cool looking. Like you can see it in one of the pictures I posted the other day. Well, I noticed um, these ones, like this this batch seems to, and I mean, I could be completely wrong, but compared to the, the clutch last year, these ones seem to be more of like the silver and red rather than sort of that gold and... Yeah, no, that, and that's where, and that's what I was saying with the like the lighter lighter colors, you know. And I really think a lot of it had to do it has to do with the the mother, you know. Last year, uh, the both animals had. I mean, they don't they weren't really dark animals. They didn't have a lot of black, but they had very clear black outlines in their patterns. Whereas this year, I used the same male, but the mother is has almost no black in her whatsoever. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very, she's an incredible looking animal. And I was really hoping for some of, uh, some of her phenotype to come out in these babies. And I really think it was a solid split, but the colors, I'm really hoping that the colors follow her because, you know, and you know, the, the goal with them was to produce high yellow animals, both individuals produce or have show high yellow colors, um, with her being a little less, you know, defined as far as the black um goes but so we'll see but yeah they're definitely lighter than last year's babies right off the rip can you hear me yes did you hear all that Uh, yeah i heard you blow your nose yes that's what sucks is all this virus stuff happening at the same time as pollen season. Because if I start blowing my nose like that in public, people start looking at me weird. Oh, yeah, dude. No, imagine like being a smoker. I mean, you smoke cigars, but you don't cough like I do. I smoke cigarettes. And I cough, you know, just because I smoke. But nowadays, you know, I'm trying like as hard as I can to just like not cough anywhere I go. Um, and begin, and it's on top of allergy seasons because I have really bad allergies like right. all the time, you know, come spring and summer, you know, and it's, yeah. It's, uh, well, at work earlier, like I choked on my spit while I was bringing up a customer. I don't know how, but oh, I started like hacking up a lung and the guy just stopped and looked at me. He's like, how's your bill of health? I was like, I'm, I'm fine. Like I just, uh, without sounding like an idiot, I was like, I choked on my spit. and. <laughs> I don't think he believed me. I think he thought I was like trying to cover it up. It's Jeez. it's so it's so dumb, man. We get these older guys that come in. They don't want to be at home, but they don't want to be around anybody. And so they come in. They're like, "Can you open the door for me? Can you get the cigars for me?" Oh my don't god! Don't touch my card. 
you know, are you, have you been washing your hands? And I'm like, dude, if you're that worried about it, stay home. Don't yeah. leave your front door. Yeah. Buy online. I care not. And they got their gloves on and they touch everything with those same pair of gloves all day long, thinking that they're, oh, yeah. they're protecting everybody and. Yeah, no, they, you wear your gloves, you know, stuff, you know, the virus sticks to gloves just as well as, you know, skin. So it's ridiculous in, ca- in case anybody didn't know. Um, but. I got one guy, he comes in and he like, he tries to come in and go as fast as he possibly can. Like he's almost at a damn sprint going to the humidor. Jesus. Cigars are coming. Like, I'm like, dude, really? Like, seriously, if you're that scared, stay like you, you, then don't come out. Not scared. He needs the cigars, man. Apparently. And that's kind of where I'm at. It's like, well, do you want your cigars or do you want to be like home and healthy? That's why he's doing it in a rush. <laughs> this oh, one guy was man. like, oh, you know, you're a young guy. You can, you can handle it. I'm 75. I was like, okay. Dude, that's... you're literally telling me why you shouldn't be here and you're here. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's why I'm working. <laughs> like, but it's like, you know, I understand like older older people are more susceptible to it, but like I've heard plenty of like late twenties, mid thirties, you know, people getting horribly sick from it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like they're not It's pretty wild. Everybody's just everybody's susceptible, man. I figure with all the money I handle, I've probably come in contact with it about a billion times. Like, it's probably come and gone out of my system like 10 times already. Yeah, dude. I'm completely that's inoculated the... to it at this point. Yeah. No, yeah, it's, it's hard to say, man, because, like, I've had a couple of days where, like, last Thursday, you know, I was planning on going over there to do the one-on-one, but I woke up that morning and I felt like absolute hell. You know, and it's like you it, can just little say things you didn't like want to little hang things. Out with me. I, okay, that was not the case at all. Because um, I hate doing this over the phone. So yeah, this is like what a month straight that we've been doing it like this. Isn't it? Uh, I think it's been longer than that. Has it's been it? more than four episodes. Look, has it? Damn. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this would be like five, maybe six. Maybe. I don't know, oh. dude. It sucks. Yeah, I hate it. I haven't seen anybody, man. I haven't hung out with Ty. I haven't seen you. I've barely seen my... It sucks. I don't... Because I'm all... You know, I'm I'm worried about my mom because, you know, I'm not going to go into detail with it, but my mother has medical issues and, you know, it's one of those things, you know, I I would love to see her, but I don't want to, you know, just to be on the safe side, you know, because her immune system is a bit more compromised than ours, you know, and it's just one of those things. I don't even want to risk it, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, that's Uh, like, all my family lives here in in Beaufort, so every Sunday we have dinner at my grandma's house, and we haven't done that since this started. Damn. Yeah, it's been pretty kind of bizarre. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's not like it's kind of nice to get a break from everybody, like to want oh, yeah, to have no. to miss it, you know? Like, yeah, it'll be nice I, when I, we can go back to it. But yeah, time I apart agree. is, is yeah. not a bad thing necessarily. I mean, my parents and stuff, they they live right up the road. They're, you know, I still see them on a 
fairly regular basis, but like all my extended family, I haven't seen any of them in a hot minute. Yeah. Yeah, it sucks, man. That was something I was talking to a customer about yesterday, actually, was like, what will, when this is all passed, what will we now see change? Like, you think about all these businesses that have offices, and now they're realizing they could run the business without having to have an office. Oh, man, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, and all these restaurants that are like, we don't need a dining room. People are completely fine with drive through or to go so we can have smaller spaces. I don't know. There's, there's a bunch of weird stuff that we thought we couldn't live without that I think we're now seeing that we actually can. Right. <clears throat> it's pretty, pretty interesting. It's an interesting time. Yeah, it's uh, definitely interesting. I tell you, man, 2020, 2020 has been like, this has been the worst year I've had in a long time. Like, I'm not gonna lie. Like, ever, there's been more death this year in my life yeah. than ever, but ever before, yeah. and all this bullshit going on, you know. And I just like, I'm already done, man. We're only in April, and I just, I want 2020 to be over. I mean, I've already knows, lost like my grand. The- I've already lost my grandmother and my dog this year, and I'm I'm done. Like the first, <laughs> the first half could suck, and then the last half could be awesome. I mean. We'll, I guess we'll see. I don't, I don't know, but I'm kind of, I'm already sort of banking on Daytona just not happening. Yeah, just, and like to be honest, like even if they do put it on, I don't even know if I'll be comfortable going. Like I, I want this stuff to chill out for a while before I go anywhere serious, at least. Phil was saying they've never canceled a, uh, a Daytona show. I believe it. Like they've had know, hurricanes but... come through, and they were like, "The show goes on." Jeez. Yeah. Wow. Un- unprecedented. But yeah. who knows? I I I want to say that it'll be over soon, but I really, I personally think that it's something we're gonna be stuck with for a, a minute. Yeah, I mean, t- I kind of. I don't really know where I'm at with that. I don't really know how I feel it's going to go. Part of me almost thinks this is going to be a fl- like the flu, and it's almost never going to go away. It's going to be seasonal, you know, and it's always going to be around. And then once it's in season, you know, then it'll be bad. And, you know, hopefully not. You know, hopefully it'll just go away eventually. But I, I don't know. Yeah, I, think I don't, I don't see it anytime soon. I think everyone will get inoculated, and then it won't be a problem anymore because everyone will be immune to it. Yeah, let's hope. But there are there have been cases where it's a if somebody has had gotten it twice. Mm-hmm. So never know, man. I'm letting the experts do their job. Yeah, and I'm certainly not gonna sit here and act like an expert like everybody else seems to be. I cannot breathe, and I don't know why. Coronavirus. That's why. No, just my nose gets all stuffy, man, and it's hard to talk and breathe simultaneously. Oh, I think we have. Wait, is Bill here? I don't think so. Well, it says like he's in here, but I don't. He is here. Bill, are you here? 
I am here. Oh, he oh is hello. Here. Yeah. He's I'm just sitting here like, man, there. where's I, Bill? I saw the notifications and Bill joined the call. <laughs> I was like, hey. What's, what's up, up, man? How's it going? Not too bad. Jess and I are just doing a little intro and chit chatting here. Shooting the before, shit. Before we, uh, before we got you on, man. My daughter and I are listening to you guys go off on your coronavirus thoughts. Oh, <laughs> oh how long have you been there? Uh, let's see. When does it say I joined the chat? Um, that took about 15 minutes Long ago? enough. Yeah. Yeah, I've been on uh, – yeah, my thing says I've been on call for 16 minutes. Oh, oh geez, man. <laughs> you should have said something. <laughs> you could have piped I didn't, it in anyway. I just muted it. I didn't want to interrupt. <laughs> We're assholes, Justin. Jeez. Yeah, that was us. Or just our killing time, like small talk. Yeah. Wait, no, wait. Man, I just muted it because I didn't want to interrupt you. Oh, oh well. <laughs> well, you are very. You're very. Uh, what's the word? Nice, I guess. There's another word I was trying to find, but polite. can't find it because I'm dumb. Polite. Yeah, that. <laughs> so polite, Bill. Thank you. We're glad. Uh, oh, Mike, maybe we really can't talk tonight. What is going on? No, very glad to have you with us. Um, Thank you, Sir Bradley. Yeah, we announced. We talked about CritterCon, but if you want to give a little more detail, because I just talked about sort of the basics of like what it is and when it's happening, but like you can, you probably know a little bit more detail wise than I do about it. So it's happening on Saturday, right? It is. Uh, so Joe and uh, from Port City Pet and Colin from Coastal Exotics uh, kind of set it all up. It was honestly just the two of them talking, and Colin was filling Joe in on just what's going on with the shutdown and, and people who do educational shows and, mm -hmm. and the different things that we're doing. And Joe is a big uh, Instagram Live guy, and he does the podcast and all sorts of things. And uh, so he asked if anybody in our section of the industry, I guess, uh, was doing something like that. And we've all kind of been using Facebook live videos and, and different things where we're not monetizing it or anything. We're just trying to keep up with people who follow our content. Yeah. And the whole point of the stuff that all the companies do is education. So for you to just look at my pictures on Facebook and read the blurb that I wrote about an iguana or whatever, um, eventually that gets boring, and I know that. So the different companies that are involved all started doing live videos and started trying to find different ways to get content to people. Mm -hmm. And then Joe had the platform, so he said he would organize it for us and get everything together. Um, so it's my company, Cold Black Exotics. Crosstown Exotics, which is another company in Illinois, Roaming Reptiles, which used to be in California, and then they moved to Wisconsin, and then uh, Emily Roberts of Snake Discovery, who has a gigantic following on YouTube, uh, for some reason lumped in with all of us people who are much smaller than her. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that was awesome. Um, yeah, and Joe asked what we thought. We all thought it was a great idea and he honestly just went off the rails and asked us for a bunch of pictures and send me all your info and, and he he organized everything and put the whole thing together and it was it's pretty impressive Jeez, go joe man yeah yeah it's, it's yeah. awesome do you know where the actual 
like what website are they actually using to host it? So the all of the tickets are being sold through Eventbrite. Right. So you can go to the So I don't know if he's going to do how he normally I, I when we had talked to him the way he described it was he was going to do it the way he does his podcast mm-hmm. to where how he's doing a, an, an interview on his YouTube channel and just the interview oh, would be okay. off. Yeah. And then he'll minimize himself out of the way. Um, because the thought was, because a portion of it's going to be Q and a. So the thought was that he could kind of filter the Q and a for us. And then we could present or get, you know, get an animal back out or answer yeah. a question however we needed to. And he would basically be the moderator. Gotcha. Yeah, nice. I, just, I was wondering how that, because, I mean, if that's something that does work out, I mean, that does open the door for other things if we can figure out, just with the paywall and oh, stuff, yeah. you know, how do you present that to the people that paid versus the people that didn't, and, but I'm sure, knowing right. Joe, I'm sure he has all that figured out, and he knows exactly what he's what he's doing with it. Well, and so that was his big thing, is the content will be available to people regardless of the time. So if, if you can't make the live show yeah. and you paid for your ticket, you'll still have the link and you'll still be able to access the content okay. at a later time. Yeah. Because that was my big thing. So I've I've been trying to do uh, Facebook Live and also YouTube because yeah. a lot of teachers use YouTube and they aren't always able to access Facebook at their school computer. Mm-hmm. So in talking to Joe and he does so much stuff on YouTube, like I thought that was perfect because if you were a teacher or you had some sort of work access where it blocked you from using something like Facebook, you could then use your YouTube time and you could still see the content or still mm-hmm. use it for your class or what have you. Because most of our Facebook Live videos it originated with teachers and parents trying to do the e-learning thing. And then we were just doing lessons that they could incorporate into their classes. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I did see something about that. Uh, people doing like the e-learning videos and whatnot with uh, some of the reptiles. Yep. Very cool. But we'll uh, we'll sort of, I guess, backtrack a little bit and just give everyone a, a brief rundown of, of who you are and what you do. For anyone who does not know. So... <laughs> I am Bill Bradley, and I, along with my wife, own a company called Coal Black Exotics, and we are in Illinois, about an hour south of Chicago. We do educational demonstrations with live reptiles, so everything from specific educational events at schools to library presentations, all the way to a birthday party where you want to do a boa selfie kind of thing. Um, and then we have a storefront in our town here in Dwight, Illinois, that is a petting zoo, or essentially a petting zoo, but it's specifically for reptiles. We do have some invertebrates and arachnids. And my daughter is raising her hand in the background because that's her <laughs> thing. She loves, she loves <laughs> arachnids. Um, I love it. So it used to be a, it used to be a tanning salon. So the electrical is way overbuilt, which is perfect for a person that nice. has hundred plus um, And then. I have turtles and everything that's heavy with all the water in the basement, lizards and snakes and everything is upstairs. And the idea for the petting zoo portion, I wanted it to be like the zoo. 
right? So you go to the zoo or you go to the museum and you get kind of that church vibe, right? It's dark wood, dark rock. Yeah. It's quiet. Yeah. You, you don't do flash photography. Everybody just kind of whispers and looks at stuff in these lit enclosures. And that's awesome. But I want to open them and get the stuff out. So, so um, in our shop, it's the same way. You know, enclosures are along the walls and, and you come in and you can go see all the big monitors and stuff. And then when you're walking around, I'm behind you with the keys and I start opening doors and we start getting stuff out and playing with it. Uh, I lucked into some old church pews. So as classes come through, we can have a bunch of kids sit in a row and put a big snake on them or something. Um, I just wanted it to be much more interactive. That's awesome. Yeah, very but cool. But you still, it's still like a traditional sort of storefront, though, too, where you do have, I guess, feeders and stuff for sale. Nope, it's no. just a petting okay. zoo. Okay. Yep. Oh, very cool. And so, is pretty much yeah, everything it's, you're it's keeping there, or is it? Weird. Do you have some at home? Like, is the collection? No, we. Uh, <laughs> so we moved into a facility specifically because we essentially ran out of room at home. Um, so yeah, ev everything we have that's an invertebrate or a reptile is at the shop. Okay. With okay. the exception of the Stokata in the summertime, he, he lives outside in my yard. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So I guess as far as like the personal collection and the educational animals are pretty much all one and the same then. Yep. Nice. Very cool, man. And how many talks are you doing a year? So we are a little over a hundred. Um, but the thing for us is it's most of our library types, like with kind of by district. So like they're uh, up here, it's, it's all a Chicago suburb of some version or another, but, um, that, that basically breaks out into their own little library districts. So we'll do a district, you know, like, oh, every Tuesday in June is White Oak Library. Well, that's four buildings or whatever. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're a little over 100 a year um, between my wife and I. We both still have full-time jobs. So doing the shows isn't my full-time gig. Mm -hmm. um, so that makes it a little crazy. I, I travel for work quite a bit. So I don't really do days off. Neither does my wife, to be honest. <laughs> Whatever day she's off, that's her show day. Whatever day I'm off is my show day. For large events, you know, we'll, we'll schedule uh, our vacation around that and things like that. And then a lot of the reptile rescue events that do outreach, most of the outreach uses our collection. So we will do a display for the rescue of, you know, good pet versus bad pet and that kind of thing. So that is... Those are events that we do, but I mean, we're not taking money or anything. That's that's charitable time we're putting in for the rescue. Oh, okay. uh, so y'all y'all own you know the shop, the petting zoo, as well as have full time jobs. Yes. Wow, I know that must that must be a lot. Uh it's it's something. <laughs> <laughs> sounds yeah, it's it sounds like hardcore. a scheduling nightmare. Yeah, it's it's pretty hardcore. Yeah. And as far as actually imagine, booking man. those, though, is it a case of like almost like you guys are like a band, and so you kind of ha like have to find your own sort of work in a sense, where you're calling people up, and or is it so something we with like a district actually, itself, or 
we use a website called Gig Salad, and actually it is just like a band. The, that website is mostly for um, musical entertainment acts is where it kind of started, and it branched oh. out into party acts and things like that. So we get a lot of bookings through that because um, people can, you know, you can just search by state. You can search by, I just want children's entertainment. Well, mm-hmm. then I'll pop up. Or you can be so specific to say reptile show. But you can you can go through and find everything from a frozen singer to reptile nerds like us. Um, And then most of the library type of shows in, I think most States do it, but I know Illinois does for sure. There's a database that libraries use. And if you are an insured and accepted business for library presentations, you are in that database. So the other libraries can see you and it, it's just kind of a shortened version of trying to do your background check and making yeah. sure you're legit. Yeah. Um, we've, we've been on that list for years. So a lot of our shows come through that list where librarians that are doing their youth programs for a summertime, they can just scroll through and pick whatever it is they're looking for. Hmm. Yeah. I've always wondered and that then, just with the people that do presentations like that, you know, how do you, especially the ones that I guess do it full time if they're, you know, the, the few that probably do just the amount of work you have to put into drumming up business. Oh, absolutely. It, it would be exactly like being a, a you know, a start out band. You're going to, you're going to be beating feet and putting up flyers and everything mm-hmm. else. Um, we really lucked out. I started this in 2012 officially. I've been doing it since I was a kid, but um, I graduated college, came back from the military and a couple of friends that uh, it turned out had graduated high school with me and they were youth librarians at that time. Mm-hmm. And so they called me, Oh, Hey, I heard you're back from the army or whatever. And do you still have all your crazy pets you had when you were in college? No, I've got a few here and there or whatever. Oh, can you come to the library? And I did one or two and then realized I was being an idiot and needed to get insurance and, make an LLC and do official <laughs> adult things. Um, so we did all that and I made a Facebook page for it, which was awesome and kind of dumb at the same time because that just opened the floodgates. Mm-hmm. Because every family member who is trying to organize something for their kids is just scrolling through their Facebook feed like, Oh, so-and-so is it Susie's birthday party. Let's click on that picture. And a ton of it is through that nowadays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can imagine, man. Social media is king nowadays. Yep. It's a big deal. Yeah. And then we really lucked out. Um, We are now the animal entertainment for the open house for the Museum of Science and Industry in Chicago. Um, Wow. It's it's an annual event with like between 10 and 12,000 people. And it's for members of the museum their staff come, uh, visiting staff, visiting uh, foreign staff attend the event. So we we get a lot of eyeballs on us for, for doing that every year. That that kind of put us on the map to be recognized by an institution like that. So that, that was a pretty big deal for us. Yeah, uh, man, I can we've imagine. Done that, we've done that four years now. So wow. it was pretty awesome. Yeah, that sounds really awesome, man. And how big is the collection? Like, how how many animals are you guys is av- are are available at the 
you know the the zoo <clears throat> we are at like 140 ish and okay. it so that sounds bad like i don't know what i have but <laughs> um, oh, no i don't either people ask me no, all the time nobody, and I yeah, have to, nobody I have to tally knows the exact and, number yeah so my wife and i are also board members on friends of scales reptile rescue so we foster a lot of the large crazy things for them that come into the rescue because we have a facility so when they get you know the sulcata tortoise that flipped over erica's couch in the rescue that comes to me you know we we provide an outlet for things that people just don't have space for but it doesn't matter it still comes into the rescue and you have to deal with it kind of thing mm. um so it, it does fluctuate back and forth with that and we do try to use those animals for a lot of our library shows because we try to do ambassador type animals good pet versus bad pet mm -hmm. so those things do fluctuate you know they come in they hang out with us we have like five black and white tegus at the shop right now um just kind of rotating through getting them to eat off tongs not be lunatics you, you know <laughs> so that somebody can touch them yeah. at some point in their life um <laughs> So things like that kind of cycle through. We've had multiple giant sulcatas at one time. Um, so that, that stuff kind of fluctuates back and forth. And then, but our, our baseline collection is, is probably like 125. Hmm. And as far as what's like the, is the good pet bad that pet thing, just explaining to people, you know, if you see this for sale and it's cheap, this is what you're getting into. Like is it an actual in-depth explanation of, of what's good and, you know, yes. So our, what, what makes us a little bit different in how we do shows is if, if you have me come to your birthday party and you just want to do a boa selfie, you are going to be severely disappointed and possibly really bored because I will give you a natural history lesson on boa constrictors <laughs> while uh -huh. you're doing the stuff. Like I, I just can't not teach people about stuff. Mm -hmm. So um, that that is always a part of it for us. Like as we're walking around with kids and, and we don't dumb it down. Like I don't care how old you are at elementary school or whatever. I'll walk around with my Arizona mountain king snake and talk about mimicry and coral snakes or what have you. You just change your verbiage for your audience. Right. So we, it's everything that we have is, it's education driven. It, mm -hmm. It's supposed to be fun and boa selfies are cool. Or, you know, if your elementary school class sits on a pew and 10 kids hold a berm, like that's awesome. And I get it, but you're going to learn about giant fat snakes that day and take a quiz or something. Like we, we, <laughs> we, make, you, we make you learn something, even if it's through osmosis, just by hearing me drone on about snakes. Right. Um, <laughs> but a lot of the library things that we do, it, like we bring the giant sulcata, right? All the kids love that. I put it outside the library. It eats their dandelions and we chill out. Cool. And then I bring like a Russian. Yeah. And it's like, hey, you know, if you're going to go to the pet store, because that's always what happens. If I go to a birthday party or a library, 10 kids come up afterward with their parents. And, I want one of those or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I, I need to have a response to that. So I always yeah. try to bring good examples well, hey, maybe what you actually want is a small shelled creature that will come to you for carrots. Okay, well, any tortoise will do that. So let's pick one that's not crazy. You know, 
Yeah, let's so not we, pick we one that have, needs a small room for space. Right. We, we <laughs> just try to have, we try to have good examples while also having the oh this will look really cool for my kid's birthday Facebook. Well, yeah, all right, cool. Let's get out a big albino berm. Yeah. Like, please don't buy that for them. Check out this corn snake. <laughs> they're gonna yeah. want one, but don't buy one. Don't get this. Don't get this. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. Well, no, I mean that, that's corn. really smart because that works out twofold. Because yeah. then you're stopping, you know, the potential for more animals to end up in your hands through the rescue because people bought something they couldn't handle. You know, oh, absolutely. So you're, you're curbing that. You know, that's that's awesome. I feel like. That's not that's, something that's, that's done like, often enough in, in most like independent pet stores, not necessarily the change. Like people sell you kinda of walk into any any given mom and pop shop and there's almost always your bread and butter like baby salcuttas, iguanas, berms, yep. some form of a retic. And, you know, you'll overhear them talking to people that clearly haven't kept a you know, a single cold blooded animal in their life and they immediately want you know, one of the above, and it's like, oh my god! And you hear them; they're they're not gonna tell them no, right? Right. And it's like, I feel like, I feel like that's one of the biggest problems in our hobby, like just in general, is people just buying stuff, not really knowing what they're getting into, you know. And berms, retic, your berms, retics, uh, salcadas, uh, caiman, you know, all those animals, man. You know, people see these. These small little babies that are so cute, and oh, they're not that expensive. And then two years later, you're what are you doing? Yeah. You know, obviously, Salcada is not quite the case. They don't grow that fast or as fast. But um, you know, it's I, I feel I honestly feel like that's one of the biggest issues we have in the industry. Well, and like I think for newbies especially. It's it's got to be weird for them to look because I think most people get really confused by how we price things because they if you're new to this you don't understand rarity as much yeah. probably yeah. Right. and then you're really not going to understand line breeding and, and the years people put in and you know, there's cost associated with that so I get it why some things are expensive but like I was scrolling through today on I don't even know probably Instagram. And I saw a couple of fish scale geckos, and they were like eight hundred bucks. Jeez! And they're the size—they're the size of my thumb. Mm-hmm. And then you go and look at a Savannah monitor in the pet store, and it's forty nine ninety nine. And the guy's like, "Oh yeah, it gets three feet long and eats snails. Things amazing." Yeah. <laughs> and so a new person is like, "Well, why would I pay eight hundred bucks for the thing? This forty nine dollar one will eat it." Like I think mm-hmm. that there's probably some disconnect there. Where people right. are confused with why the pricing is the way it is in the hobby. Yeah. Right. And I feel like, you know, again, you know, with, with newer people, you know, I, I would think smaller prices would mean smaller animals. You know right. what I mean? Whereas where you can pick up a baby, a baby Burmese python for less than a hundred dollars, you know, but there's ball python morphs out there going for thousands on thousands. So it's, it's, Yeah. Exactly. I think it's a combination of that. And if people that are new to the hobby have spent any amount of time on social media, I'm under the impression that there's this this urge to feel like they have to keep up. Like, getting a corn snake as a first snake isn't sexy enough. Like, I need to get a chondro. You know, I need to get, uh, you know, a dwarf caiman. I need to get, it's like something simple 
Like the basic sort of foundation for getting into the hobby just isn't isn't enough. It's not cool enough. Right. Well, I've, I've heard you guys I've heard you guys talk on episodes about the Columbia show where oh you're not even a keeper if you don't have a gaboon. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, the reason the reason that is funny is because all of us know how crazy it is, but also that there's a bit of truth to that for people that really think that. Oh yeah. We the reason that it's so funny to us is because it is also slightly sad because in the back of our mind we're like, oh man, there are people that really think that. I was just making a joke. Yeah. Y- you know. Right. Yeah, it's. Yeah. I don't it's know. Sad, we, see man. It, we see it in condros a lot. You see guys that get their first condro and then they go from one to twenty in a matter of like two months, three months. And it's then like once things start to go downhill with, you know, one or a handful, then they realize, oh, this was a this was a mistake. This was a bad idea. Right. And, and then like there's the, the, a lot of then, stuff. then there's the people like, you know, in South Carolina where the venomous laws are so lenient. There's the guys that buy a ball python, buy a corn snake, and then they have a cotton mouth. Gotta get me a squam. You know, it's it's like Come on, man, like yeah. baby steps. Like, it's, I'm not saying, like, you can't own venomous, but don't buy that as your third snake, your second snake, whatever. Like, you need to really, really work up to keeping venomous if that's your end goal, you know. But, you know, then there's always the people that, like, oh, if I'm going to do something, like, I'm just going to jump in head first and get right exactly what I want. It's like, mm, in this, it doesn't really work like that. It's like you can't really but at work some well. point you're gonna you're yeah. gonna realize that things are gonna happen and you're not gonna know what how to handle it. You know. Right. You know, to an extent, like I I know people who their first snake was a chondro and everything worked out yeah, fine. Yeah, no, Luke. You is know, a I'm not example. saying that's a, yeah, and um uh Miss DeFalco, her yeah. her first animal was a, a green tree python. And that's, and, that's you know, fine. If you do you, yeah, if and you that's know great. what you're getting into before you get into it, but it's the people that yeah. impulse buy their first one and then are like, I have it for two weeks, I need more. Yeah, or the people that own one, two snakes and then think they can jump straight into owning something venomous. You know, it's that takes a lot more than just reading. I just, you know, and why I'm watching videos and all that crap. To me, social media just exacerbates the whole thing, and it makes people feel the need to run before they crawl. Yeah. Well, and you've also got to figure something like a chondro, right, is to a new person, is that's considered advanced. Hey, maybe you shouldn't start with that. Okay, well, the reason it's considered advanced, stereotypically, is because of its care requirements. So... Mm-hmm modern equipment and enclosures and things like that really mitigates a lot of that. Yeah. If, if you get the right things and you read and you set it up right, okay, cool. You can jump into the deep end a little bit when it comes to environmental concerns. Like, yeah, you can make a really cool environment. You could build a dart frog viv. You can do all these things if you get the right equipment because we've modernized the industry enough that you could – theoretically do that pretty easily as a new person Mm -hmm. when you start to get advanced care advanced care because of the animal's behavior and and the potential for the negatives is so different than advanced care because chameleons need a fogger right like those two are not the same thing and i don't like 
because these people are new, they don't understand that advanced can mean different things based on totally different circumstances. Right. Like the care for a copperhead or something. Okay, whatever, man. It's a North American colubrid. It's just hot. It's the coral snake of of the venomous world. Yeah. No big deal for care, not for behavior and consequences. Right. Right. So it's, it's just a different meaning for the word. But if you're brand new and nobody's sat down and smacked you in the head a little bit to tell you that, you don't know. <laughs> right. Well, the chondros, it's, it's you see people buy them and then they spend all their money on the actual snake. And so then when it comes to their setups and stuff, they're really giving themselves an uphill battle because they're skimping on that. And I mean, they're they're not hard snakes to keep at all. They're probably some of the easiest, but you have to give them what you have to get them within that, that the certain parameters to right. make them work. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, part of the whole advanced thing, you know, or, you know, as far as like husbandry goes is really about, you know, forgivingness of the animal, you know, it's like a corn snake. You can keep a corn snake in a variety of environments. It's like, will it thrive in some better than others? Yeah. But it will survive and live and be relatively healthy in, you know, a variety of, you know, I know people that don't keep them on heat and they're fine. I know people that keep them on a hot spot and they're fine. Keep them in racks and they're fine. Keep them in cages. They're fine. You know, it's like that there's different ways to do it and be successful. But with like with something like a chondro, it's more, it's not hard. You know, they're easy to care for if you do it right, yeah, you know you what just I mean? Have to pay you know, they're, the they're, they're, they're not as, yeah, they're not as forgiving as something like a corn snake, you know? And yeah. And people overthink. Them. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, they're, they're in an odd spot because like I said, they're, they're incredibly easy to keep, but at the same time, it's easy to screw it up. Right. You know? Yep. But that's why brettles will always be the superior Morelia. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Can't kill All me. about that BBC. Bairds, Brettles, Condros. Yep. Bill has a Bairds. He knows what's up. And Ooh. I have a Bairds and a Brettles and a Pop one. Hey! Hey! What is, what is typically your recommendation if, like, you have parents come up to you and they're like, we really want to get our son a snake or our daughter a snake or whatever. What do you, what do you, what direction do you usually point them in? So I am almost always going to tell people colubrid, uh-huh. go for rat snake type of things for generalist feeders. Um, the problem is it... Colubrids are awesome as adults, right? Yeah. As, yeah. As, babies, <laughs> as babies where they're basically a pencil that's alive, they're, they're terrible. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're escape artists. They don't want your crazy bird feet hands to come touch them. <laughs> you know, it, so that's really difficult that I, I still tell people, Hey, you know, Kings, corns, rats, you know, stick with your simple stuff that you've already heard of before you even talk to me. There's a reason that they're staples in the hobby. Mm-hmm. They eat great. They get a nice size. 
you know, if a seven-year-old drops a corn snake, it's not probably going to die. It's okay. You know, like they, they can deal That's, with, it's yeah, not can, ideal, but some, yeah, they can handle but some, you know, some it's going to happen. Like when you're, when your kid knocks the California King off the kitchen table, like exactly. it's cool, you know, it's all good. Um, on it. So here's my really unpopular opinion. Um, Ooh. it, <laughs> when I talk to people who are adults and, and have shown, I don't know, like we've had conversations that they're a little bit more responsible. Maybe that we've been speaking for a while through multiple messages. I like boa constrictors, man. And I know that's not a popular opinion, but here's my thing. They get big enough that they can sit high. Cause what you really want, is you want something like your cat that sits on you, but is mm -hmm. not a boring cat. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> if, you come to, if you come to me and say you want a pet and you want a snake instead of a lizard, you actually probably want what lizards do and what cats and dogs do. And they sit with you and interact with you in some meaningful way. Snakes don't do that. You're a jungle gym or a threat that that's it. Or both. Right. So, or, or, or both, both. <laughs> <laughs> or they'll sit on your shoulder and bite your hand and like, it, can what, change, you know, it can change very fast <laughs> but, you know i love things like brettles because they're basically boa length but two kings thick mm -hmm. so it's not as scary for people um and but i tell them like as a baby those things are a little bit bigger they're a little bit easier for you to deal with. Mm -hmm. You're not talking about pinky parts or pinky heads or weird stuff. Sometimes you get little runty corns and things like that. Um, and you know, when you go to a show and people pull the $10 deli cup, it's always like straight out of the egg tiny. Um, oh yeah. So I, at, for an adult, especially when people come to the rescue and talk to us, um, I'm like, hey man, if you have the time and space and you are an adult, and you are looking for a pet snake, check these out. They will sit how you, with you how you think they will. They're big enough to be attention getting for you. Because for kids, it needs to be ease of care because your parents are just going to take care of it. If you're right. under <laughs> 13 years old, your mom or dad yeah. just got a pet snake. You, you didn't. <laughs> so, so when I'm talking to actual children and their parents, I tell them, you know, rat snake, corn snake, king snake, you know, something mom and dad can take care of in a 20 long, mm -hmm. rock out, easy setup, no big deal. Because I know that they're the person who's going to care for it. Um, when I talk to an adult about still a first pet, which is always weird because I assume it's kids who are new to the hobby. And it, it isn't. It, a lot of times it's adults because they actually yeah. have they actually have money. So yeah. like, that's, yeah. that's, that's an easier. That's an important part um, of it. Mm -hmm. I honestly tell them, you know, I, I really like carpets. I really like boas. I like bigger stuff mm -hmm. because you, you are going to want to interact with it as an adult. And if you do want something where you're going to, I just want to set up living art on my wall, like a fish tank. Okay. Well then you can get crazy and start to do a naturalistic viv. You can do all kinds of things and you can pick smaller showcase species like chondros and, and different things but you're new so maybe you're not going to be as good as the husbandry requirements hey man you can rock out with a brettles or a boa they get a little bit cool in the winter 
everybody eats like a well for boas obviously it's a little bit larger rat um it's a simple thing to do mm-hmm. um and then especially if, if we're at the rescue i'm always talking about stuff that comes into the rescue and so i'm always hey man and i also happen to have five so yeah. so yeah. like if you, you're in if luck you're looking for one, like i could hook you up um and i I try to steer away from things like balls and leopard geckos and bearded dragons and things because I, I really worry that like a lot of people come to us and they talk about first snakes or first pets and things and then are instantly want to be breeders on Facebook. Oh, God. And weird. So I, right. <laughs> but and it, I, I think, I think that's, like a major flaw in the hobby in the industry. Like you have to breed them to be cool. Yes. And then the, something like the ball Python market is like massively oversaturated. Like, dude, unless you're going to drop 60 grand and get something crazy within like a year or two of getting it before, you you know, before they fall out of popularity or they, you know, they're yeah. Market drop. And so I just, I, I really, I try not to go that route. Like if people come up and ask me about them, like, Hey man, I want to know about a ball Python. Like I'll tell you how, how to care for it. And, and that kind of thing, like, that's cool. But if you just come up and say, Hey dude, what's a good snake? Like, I'm not going to go, Oh, you should get a rack and eight ball pythons and you could make enough money to buy a car. Like mm-hmm. that, I'm never like, I can't, I just can't, <laughs> you know? And it my and I'm with you on that because like and here's my unpopular opinion like with your bows I don't think ball pythons make good for snakes you no. know like period I I don't think they do I think they're too picky when it comes to food I think they just sit there and I think people will get bored with them fast you know as far as the first snake goes I don't think they make good for snakes at all they make good Christmas just, presents oh God <laughs> no. that is true. I support that decision. Thank, thank you, Justin. Thank you. How's he doing? How's Spurge? He's doing great, man. <laughs> doing great. He's on. He's on large mice now. What? So. For real? Yeah. Damn. Yeah, man. He's grown. He's. It's been over a year, man. Oh <laughs> yeah, it has. <laughs> yeah. See, that might be something that's telling for new people. If if you are a new person listening to some sort of reptile-centered media. And the people in it are using your ideal species as a gag gift. <laughs> then, <laughs> then maybe, you know, like maybe that your tastes. Are, <clears throat> yeah, you know, like maybe your tastes are on like the Spencer's gift shop at the mall level. <laughs> and you kind of need to get it up a little bit, you know, I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah. But, you know, and that's why I think. Yeah, you know, for you know, car- I carpet pythons as a whole, I think make good for snakes. But I think popwing carpets specifically make great for snakes because they're not as big as something like a brettles or or a boa. You know, they're not as intimidating, but they're more active and they're a python and they're easy to care for. There's and a lot of different colors. XYZ. Yeah, exactly. To choose you from. know. Yeah, you know, of course, a couple of them can be little assholes occasionally, but for the large majority, you know, the adults are good, you know. But I don't know. I honestly think I think they're going to blow up. I think oh yeah, oh yeah. I think they're going to be a big deal. They're on the trajectory. I really do. They're on the they're on the rise, man. I feel like every 
every day I see newer people with with more poppling carpets and yeah, I think they're I think they're definitely on the rise. And male brettles will always get my vote as like a first a prime yeah. first first snake, man. Yep. Like you want something that that doesn't yeah. get very big, like a male brettles is gonna be it. You know, they're, they're you, We've already we've said this a million times in this podcast. Like brettles, you can't kill them. Stupid, easy to keep. Always gonna eat. Like if you kill it, you were really, really intentionally trying to end that thing's life. Yeah. Yep. There. Yeah. I don't understand how more people don't comment on their color. Oh yeah. Like they they're awesome looking. <laughs> like I, I I think they're amazing looking. Yeah, I, I yeah. remember the first time I got my hands on one. I was doing a presentation at a school with my buddy when I was in the Georgia Reptile Society. Shout out to John Calloway. He had a big female. And he's like, oh, yeah. He's like, here, hold her. And I was like, dude, this is like one of the coolest snakes. This is incredible. Yeah. I was like, I got it. Like, I got to get my hands on some. And so then the next Columbia show I was at, I found one. And that's the female I have now. And uh, they quickly became one of my favorite species to keep, bar none. They're just, they're so easy and easygoing. I just, I can't, I can't say enough good things about them. Yeah, they're pretty showy. Casey Cannon's gonna love every bit of this, as he should. As he should. He's the Brettles master. I mean, even Katie loves my big male. Yeah, man. And Katie loves that snake, and Katie doesn't really love any of the snakes in particular. But old he's old a Biggs, stud. Old Biggs, man. Old Biggs. He's uh, he's the one. He's like the household dog, it. literally. Like, anytime he's out, Ellie's like, "Can I hold him?" I was like, "Yeah." Katie's out, or he's out, and Katie comes in. Oh, I want to hold him. You know, take Big Al out. He looks lonely. I'm like, he's not, but okay. He's not, but <laughs> I'm sure he'd prefer to just stay in there. But okay. No, I mean, if I'm in the room, yeah. he'll start he'll start cruising back and forth, and I'll open, oh, I'll yeah. open the front and let him, you know, explore a little bit. No. Yeah. I like to let him get. Cool. I'll take him outside in the front yard and stuff too, and let him get some sun. And some of the kids from down the street will come and check him out. And you know, he's. I don't. I don't let them get near his head, even though he is. He's never made a single attempt to to take a swipe at me in any capacity whatsoever. And uh, you know, the kids are just they they think he's so cool. And I mean, he's not huge. Like it's a, it's a decent sized snake, but it's not anything. He's hefty, man. Yeah, he, but he's not he, anything he's, unmanageable. He's every bit of six and a half, I bet you. I don't know. I think he's probably closer to, to five, five and a half, maybe. Nah, man, he's at least six. We need at least. We need to, I, I, need I, know, I know it doesn't seem like it. You're, you're talking to a guy who keeps a bunch of carpets, man. I'm telling you. They never seem as big as they are. But then all of a sudden, they, you see him stretched out in one day, and you're like, holy shit, like, you're taller than I am. Everything's yeah, they're, all, they're all growers, not showers. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. I had a girl out the other day, and it's like you know, I handle, I handle my snakes when I clean. You know, I don't, I don't do a lot of handling. I keep mostly hands off. But you know, whenever I clean, I take them out. You know, mess with them for a little bit. I had one of my females out, and like I had her stretched out, and I was like, what, what, what happened to you? Why are you? So- 
you're taller than I am now. Like, this is, you know, it's ridiculous, man. Like, out of nowhere. But yeah, they'll curl up and look like, you know, they'll fit in both of your hands like it's nothing, but you stretch them out and they're every bit of six foot. Yeah, I've never actually measured him, so I don't know. But I need to do that next time I have him out. Yeah. Do it. That females, she's growing too, man. It's um, I remember when I got her, she seemed tiny, and now I pull her out, and I'm like, mother of God, like you're not even. I mean, <laughs> she's not as big as she probably could be, but still, it's like yesterday. It seemed like you were a worm. It's, yeah. They just grow up so fast. <laughs> but as far as the presentations go, Bill, like, what do you change up? What you take? At different presentations, or is it kind of you sort of have this? Like, how do you go about picking out what what goes with you when you do the talks? So I do, I do kind of a standard presentation. Uh, if it's something straightforward like a birthday or, or something like that, um, it usually goes from Arizona Mountain King up to a boa, and then I've got a couple of rats in between or a king snake in between and then everybody has a lesson mm-hmm. you know i do mimicry for the king snake when we talk about terrestrial versus arboreal to move to a rat snake and then you know you end with the boa because that's big and cool but we still do the arboreal comparison like look it's just like the rat snake it's just bigger so i i do try to downplay the oh it's it's so much cooler because it's gigantic yeah like I, I try to make the comparison, like, look, see how his belly looks like the rat snake. Like I'm trying to, I want them to have fun with it. And I know they're going to want to hold it and take a picture and things like that. But I don't want them, if it's kids, I don't want them to get fixated on the, the only cool one of the whole show was the boa. Like, you know, it's the same thing as the rat snake. It's just from a cooler place. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so it has sweeter colors and, you know, or whatever. Um, we do a handful of lizards. We try to do. I actually bring more lizards than snakes to every show because I don't ever know if I'm going to open up the, cause I start with snakes and then go to lizards. And I, I don't ever know if I'm going to open up the first box and everybody's going to burst into tears and then, we're, okay, well now we're going to have a lizard show today and we're going to skip snakes entirely. Um, that hasn't happened often, but it does occasionally happen you do get kids where like only the birthday kid is into this and then their whole class is here and this is the entertainment. Okay. Well, these other 13 kids are terrified, but little Timmy is sitting here just drooling over all the stuff I'm getting out. Right. Like I, I need to be able to adjust. So I, I do bring more lizards than I, than snakes to every show just because it's like, okay, well, I'll put away the big scary snake and here's a leopard gecko. Like it's, right. it's a really easy transition. <laughs> and then I, I do the same thing. We go large to, or small to large, sorry. Um, typically something like a leopard gecko, we do bearded dragon or a blue tongue, you know, something kids can kind of hold in their hands, but I'm not worried about them pulling its head off like a leopard gecko. And then <laughs> I, I always, yeah. Right. That it's scary when little Dude, kids. Dude, I'd be are, so paranoid about that. It, it makes me cringe, man. Like I love kids to death. I, it, they're, but they, they're, they're so aggressive. You it's tell like them they to be gentle, and they gr- try to pimp slap the animal in your hand. 
they, it's like I, I fully believe that like as they grow into their muscles, they don't know how to use them. So they just <laughs> they just kind of rip into anything. It's like just pet it so gently with I, one finger, and then it's like, bam! I'm like okay, uh, yep. <laughs> I I use all sorts of tips and tricks from teachers so you know we sit crisscross you know you do oh crisscross applesauce or whatever like we i try to get into the rhythm of what they would do in school like everybody's sitting in the line and then i'll come to you we're mm-hmm. gonna make rows and like and then so they because kids fall right back into that like oh i do this every monday yeah i know like exactly they, what to do it's just like in school it, yeah. yeah and so that that helps mitigate a lot of that um but i also like I, I always end my lizards with my tegu. And if it's, if it's a bunch of kids and they're getting a little rowdy or they started off rowdy, um, we also do some special needs things. Mm-hmm. And so you gotta be really careful about that because maybe they can't understand directions or maybe they can't follow directions and things. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll, okay, we're going to pet the bearded dragon. See, check it out. It's spiky. And then we're going to go straight to the tegu. And if you guys grab it, like he doesn't care, you can't hurt him. So as we're going through, if it's especially a lot of the special needs stuff that we do, I always get out, you know, big stuff. Like, here you go, grab a hold of it. You're not going to hurt it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I still want you to experience it kind of thing. Yeah, that makes sense. So we, we do adjust kind of based on the crowd a little bit. <laughs> um, but we always go small to large just so you can kind of assess how scared people are type of thing. Mm-hmm. Right. That's um, a good, good little sort of litmus test. Oh, absolutely. And then I always bring my egg eating snake because I can give the speech about how it can't bite you and it's mouth structure for eating eggs and things. So that's our like fear conquering animal. Um, and we also use the crested gecko for that because I talk about, Oh, it eats fortified baby food and licks it. And I show the little sticks you can use to feed them and things like it's, it's the most cuddly thing I have. Mm-hmm. So if you're scared here, this feels like velvet and licks its own eyeball. Check it out. Like, you know, right. Um, and then always some kind of tortoise, uh, typically the sulcata, because that's always a big, oh, I want to see a giant thing. Um, that does suck to carry everywhere. Cause he weighs like <laughs> 85. Say, here's a Volkswagen <laughs> with legs. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, it, that is, you know, kids want to see the giant mm-hmm. tortoise. Like, that's a thing, you know. Um, I, I, so do that's almost to, I, I do have stuff. to ask this, though, while, while we're on yeah. the topic of the tortoise. Do, have you ever had any kids try to ride one? <laughs> so, like, a valid yes. question. <laughs> it's just like, I'm, okay. I'm honestly curious because he said Volkswagen and in my head. I'm like, hey, kids, we're learning how to drive. Here's a tortoise, you know? Like, so, I... I always give the speech that they're not allowed to write it. <laughs> and <laughs> there's a reason though, that you had to start yes. giving that speech. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, it, it really, I mean, if obviously depending on the size of the kid, but you know, for your, your <laughs> average elementary schooler, um, it wouldn't do anything to it. Like he doesn't care. He's a tank, but, um, he he'll just walk off like he he doesn't. <laughs> he better hang home. So I, I 
I, it's twofold. Like I tell them like, Oh, Hey, we don't ride the tortoise. Like let's pet them. Or, you know, you guys can watch them eat hay or whatever. Like, you know, just chill out. Um, and then we feel his spurs and we talk about digging and, you know, they can, you can run your hands all over him and beat on him. He doesn't care. He's just a rock with a head, but um, I, it's a little bit of crowd control of, well, we can't ride him because you're all going to lose your minds and start jumping on him because you're tiny kids. And the flip to that is if you get on him, he's just going to walk off and he weighs like 85 pounds. And if your kid is sitting here next to you, crisscross, like he's supposed to be in line, my tortoise is going to step on him and break one of his toes. And that's <laughs> not fun. So like it, it's mostly crowd control. Um, which I mean, any show with kids is mostly just crowd control, but, um, with the tortoise, it, it definitely is. Cause he, he'll just wander off. Like he doesn't, unless you have tomatoes or dandelions, he's not interested in you. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny, man. And do you find that's like the most difficult part with the whole presenting stuff is just, you know, the, the load up, the load out animal and people know. safety. Yeah. Trying to keep an eye on it's... a million kids at once with your animals and, it's really not that bad. Um, I mean, it, it can be a long day for, for unloading and packing and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, the, the more, I don't know how to say that the more difficult part of shows is interactions with parents because you in, in basically every show I've ever done, there's always been at least one parent who did not, want their kid to participate or they were scared or they like I've had people snatch their kids hands back away from me when I was coming down the line to let them touch a snake or something Mm -hmm. right and like it's really hard to not take offense to that to that and let it show like I'm I'm trying to not look at you like you're an idiot like I want to keep my nice professional face on but you you just reacted like my snake was going to give you leprosy. And I literally cleaned it before I got out of the van. Like, you know, like and, I just, and that, for right, that, kid that, that right there, that right there, yes. it's, it's so frustrating because like, I feel like, you know, there, there's so many people out there with, you know, serious phobias of snakes and, you know, some people, everybody develop, develops that phobia, you know, differently. And I feel like that right there is one of the ways kids become horrified of snakes is because their parents, oh, you know, just pulled them, pulled them away when the snake was coming down the line for, for a pet, you know, it's like that, that immediately that instills something in them. Like, Oh, the, the mom doesn't think this is okay. So it must not be now I'm scared, you yep. know, and that's, it's horrible, man. Like it's sad. And it, you know, it's, it's kind of part of the business. So you have to, just kind of just take it yeah it's gonna come yeah territory. and and we always you know you kind of roll into a lesson or we're gonna explain things and you know try to fact check your way out of it like oh no here check this out or you could touch the tail or you know touch the back or there's no teeth here how about an egg eating snake that can't bite and it, on and on and on. like you're trying to overwhelm them with facts to mm-hmm. kind of kill that irrational fear um but i mean you're always going to have a handful in the crowd that are this is my kid and how i parent and i'm scared of them and they're not touching that gross slimy snake and 
you know, I honestly, the very first thing we do in almost all of my shows is they all go through, touch the Arizona mountain king snake to get a mimicry lesson. I talk about coral snakes. I tell everybody the rhyme. I tell everybody why the rhyme doesn't work. And then we <laughs> all, and then we all look at our hands and I'm like, oh, hey, are your hands wet? And everybody, oh, no. Cool. Are snakes slimy? Wait, what? I was like, are your hands wet? No. Okay, well, then my snake isn't slimy. Right. And you see like 50 light bulbs go oh, off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? And, yes. and that's honestly like that, that is where that lesson evolved from. And it's then evolved its place in my show to be first because I know somebody in this crowd, I'm already fighting them to slimy gross snakes. So right. let's just knock it out right now, you know? And when you first started doing the presentations, was it like, did you find it sort of awkward? And did you kind of just get it, get it used to it as you went along? And Because I've done a few, yes and it was and always no. kind of awkward, mostly yeah. just because I'm not a terribly social person. And, you know, when it comes to, like, large gatherings. Mine is... Um, I don't even know. So it... I don't speak down to people. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, that doesn't, no, not like condescending. I don't, um, I don't dumb things down or simplify them. Right. So I have a lot of, a lot of parents when I first started out, you know, they were like, Hey, you know, my kid doesn't know what endotherm and ectotherm mean like, like that. Well, they're about to. I don't, I don't, right. But like, it would be after the show. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think you, I think you might've lost the class when you were talking about it. And I was like, nah, they, they got it. And like, it just, it was, it was kind of a confidence thing for me of I, I didn't let that wear at me because I heard it a lot. Yeah. I heard, I, and I, I don't as much now people kind of know what they're getting if, if they get a show from us. Um, but sometimes for new librarians and, and, oh, you know, I'm a little worried it's only fourth grade kids or what have you. Um, my kids are young. So I, I've been talking to my kids like this since they were born and they use all the same language. They use binomial nomenclature. They know what that word means. They, they're not, kids aren't dumb. They're just younger than you. Yeah. So I, I've, that's about the only thing I've really had to fight with in doing shows is, is sticking to the fact that, hey man, I'm not going to talk about silly snakes and wiggly things and creepy crawly. Like I don't speak that way. I I talk to them like they're hanging out with me with my snakes. the The flip is that I've had tons of reinforcement from kids because they. I feel like they pay attention to me better because I'm talking to them mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I, I sound authoritative obviously because I'm using words like you hear in school and I'm making you sit crisscross and we're in school things. So I, I sound like your teacher a little bit, but I'm not lecturing you. Like we're just hanging out talking yeah, about you're snakes. Not talking and I'm telling at you, them. Yes. But in the conversation is, well, this is a king snake because they eat snakes. And do you know about king cobras? And now we're going to talk about coral snakes. And like, it's conversational, but this conversation is not low-level elementary school stuff. Mm-hmm. Like we're talking like adults, and kids, kids love to be spoken to like they're adults. Yes, even for a short <laughs> period of time. 
Yeah, Jake. Loves and it. so that, right? <laughs> I just I stuck to that, and I I didn't let that come at me when parents and teachers tried to dumb it down, and it it really paid off for me. Um, but so that's probably the only thing I had to really get through. I could talk to anybody and stand in front of a crowd holding snakes. I don't care because I'm a nerd for reptiles. So I'll just drone on about facts and they'll get bored eventually. So that, that part never bothered me. Um, it was just the, I guess my, my style or my approach didn't really make sense to some people. And so I, it was justifying it, I guess, as we were starting to first starting out. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a, I think it's a good way to go about it. Cause like you said, you know, kids like to be talked to like they're adults. And I feel like if you're doing that, like they'll, they'll pay attention more, you know, if they feel like they're important in the situation, you know, and you know, obviously like you're holding, you know, usually holding a snake or you have some type of reptile that's catching their attention. But, you know, if you talk to them, like, you know, like they're not some dumb little kid, you know, then I feel like you'll keep their attention better and they'll focus more on what you're doing and what you're saying. Absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Have you bred anything in the past? Are you breeding anything currently? Have you, or has it always been sort of the, the presentation sort of stuff? For me, it's pretty much always been presentation. Um, I went to school in my undergrad for biology, mm-hmm. and the college that I was at was a work college, so you had to have a job at the school in order to be a student. And I took care of the reptile collection, and we did boas and corns and a couple of different things, mostly for genetics lessons. Um, my One of my professors was a huge herp nerd, so the boas were more his project. So that was mostly my helping out and learning how to do it. Um, we breed morning geckos at the shop, which is not breeding because they're parthenogenic. That's cheating. <laughs> um, and, and really that's it. We don't, we are incubating eggs for the local boy scout troop for bearded dragons. Um, just, and it, that's always kind of how it happens is, you know, it's always incidental things. And then someone calls us because they didn't know it was going to happen when you had boys and girls together. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, we, we've never gone that route. My, my wife is very anti breeding, but her exposure is a little different. So she first learned about reptiles through me. And then we became really involved in the rescue. And so her, her constant viewpoint of the hobby in the industry was disposable pets. And mm-hmm. she really struggled with that. So it's, and I, I understand it and I partially agree with it. it. It's hard to convince her as my partner to want to do something like this and then have, you know, her response is, Oh my God, what if somebody just dumps it on the rep, like they don't want it or they get tired of it, you know? And it's like, yeah, I, I know, like, I, I understand that that's a fear that you have, you know, and that it's a hard argument to make. Yeah. But I mean, it's right. also unfortunately something you just don't have control over. And I have to keep that in mind. Anytime I sell anything, it's like, you know, once it's out of my hands, yeah. there's really nothing I can do about it. 
and that's uh, that's kind of exactly why you know i don't produce anything on a large scale i've had two clutches you know two years in a row now um but like that's why anytime i sell anything like unless it's you know i absolutely have to like i try not to post it you know i don't i don't try and put just something out on the internet for anybody to hit me up about like i ask around i ask people i know i ask people i trust like hey do you want this? You know, and I'll give good deals just for it to go to a good home, you know, so I know where it's going and I know that this thing is going to be taken care of. And, you know, for pretty much all animals that I sell, you know, as a disclaimer, it's, Hey, if you don't want this anymore, let me know. And either a, I will take it back or B, you know, I'll find somebody to take it from you, you know? So again, so I can track this animal and know where it's going, you know, and, know that it's staying in good hands. Well, and so that's a part of it too, is especially with my wife, like she wasn't as exposed to the, the niche parts of the hobby where, you know, like, like pop ones, they're becoming more popular and I think they're going to be a big deal, but the people that are keeping them, it's a small group. They're serious about it. You know, it's a lot of Morelia nerds already. And, you know, you already have a, a structure and a community and, and contacts and things. So it like, that's not going to PetSmart. You know, it's going to the five dudes, you know, who give you crap about pop one pythons and then you give them crap about brettles. Like yeah, that, exactly. You know, <laughs> and so I, <clears throat> I think that is, I mean, that's just night and day different from what, you know, someone who is a little bit outside of the hobby industry. Yeah goes to an NARBC and they see that type of sales setup That's like right. that, you know, that is so crazy to someone. And then if you came in, so like I'm good friends with Ryan McVeigh and his, one of his big things is, you know, old school, the way it used to be with, you know, three guys would get together in a room and like swap out King snakes to keep their bloodlines going in the eighties. You know, like it, nobody asked for money. Like they all just hung out and had beers and traded snakes or whatever. Um, it was just much more tight knit and much smaller. Um, and so if, if we ever, like the, the only thing I even have a pair of right now is yellow rats. And I'm kind of a nerd for locality, North American colubrids. So, I mean, I, I might go that route at some time in the future. Um, but even that, like when I was, when I was talking to my wife and explaining it, that was what it was. You know, I, I follow these handful of people on Instagram. They produce like 20 snakes a year from these three different counties in Florida. Like it's, it's very small nerd things. Mm -hmm. You know, you gotta, you gotta know a guy type of thing. Right. Um, it, it's not mass production. And so that, that made much more sense to her. Um, it just, it's, it's really hard to like Erica and the people at the rescue talk about a lot of all the time, honestly, is it's compassion fatigue. Like when you see so many animals come into a rescue situation, it, it kind of wears at you about the industry a little bit. Yeah. Right. And like, you, you, yeah, you gotta, you gotta check yourself, you know, like you, you can't go to the next NARBC and like, throw snowballs at ball python breeders like you you know like you just you get super upset like I, I just saw 50 with mites and i hate all of you like 
well, maybe that is a bunch of pet keepers who made poor choices. Like you, you know, you gotta, you have to find perspective for those things. Right. Um, but it, it can get difficult. Like it, it wears on you. Yeah, I can see that. You know, it's like, you know, and, and a lot of people, you know, say that when they work with reptiles, you know, full time, you know, like they have a job in reptiles, but also keep a personal collection. Like it's kind of a, kind of a similar, you know, aspect to it is, you know, you get worn out with keeping reptiles because it's your full-time job but it's also your hobby and so it's kind of you know but yeah there's only so much poop you want to scoop in one day <laughs> yeah for sure but... how's the podcast been going with ryan <laughs> um it's interesting so he's a little more hardcore than the the rest of the co-hosts the three of us and it's so it's it's two married couples mm -hmm. which is kind of funny anyway um and it that spiraled out of just the way that we have conversations of he he obviously is neck deep in the industry and, and herpiculture in general um and so i would always be bouncing questions off of him like why you know i don't know chameleon kits we we were bashing on stuff like that like oh it's 2020 we have super great lights and we have all this cool equipment like why don't people do better with these difficult animals and then ryan you know oh well they don't they don't know nobody told them about this light or nobody told them about this supplement or nobody has heard of arcadia lighting out of uk and knows you can get super cool stuff or mm -hmm. what have you um and then you my response would be like, that's ridiculous. We should tell them. <laughs> and he's like, okay, well, you can come stand at NARBC with me and have a bullhorn and just scream at people about, <laughs> yeah, do this about, about UV light, you Attention, know, and, potential, potential chameleon buyers. Yeah. Throw so, away that um, kit. Come talk to us. That, I mean, just that feeling and idea, but then, extrapolated out to all of herpticulture like erica has a hardcore veterinary background ryan is an industry guy i teach people my wife teaches people but she still considers herself a newbie um so we felt like we had a good spectrum of viewpoints and then we just wanted to start picking out topics that we didn't think were being addressed and like a, a lot of I don't know. You guys have your own podcast, so you you kind of fall into it. You probably understand, <laughs> but like it, it always seems like very successful keepers speaking to other very successful keepers. And my one of my worries, and then especially my wife from the new person perspective, was like, it sounds like you guys are all professionals, and the rest of us don't know what we're doing. And I, I understood that when she was talking, because like I listened to NPR, yeah, and they, dude, they, they're it, you know, like they're they sound like they're light years ahead of me, and all the people they talk to are light years ahead of me. Like I understood what she was saying, um, and so that was something that that she wanted to help fill, and then when she talked to the uh, the three of us, you know, we we understood it. And so that's, that's kind of the role we're trying to play. 
in in this whole reptile media content Mm -hmm. is kind of a bridge between maybe you know some stuff maybe you don't know anything we know collectively the four of us we know quite a bit and have done a lot mostly because we've screwed up for like 20 years and are and are now really good at it yeah you know and it i don't know i i think it it was that admission maybe of mistakes that I don't, I think that kind of, kind of set the tone for us. Like, yeah. Hey, I, I want you to use like, Oh, so like we were just talking about the kits or whatever. I want you to use UV light. And here's why, because when I was 15 years old and we kept all these animals and they died <laughs> or they, they had yeah. MBD and they had, we had all these screw ups and we used to use, heat mats and like hot rocks and all like why is a hot rock a joke now if you're new and don't know this is why it burned down this dude's house or whatever like you know it some of those things you won't know without context yeah and um, yeah i and that's one thing that i think justin and i both try to you know emphasize is don't just focus on the positive talk about what you've done bad I want yeah, anyone, Chondra-wise especially, to learn from my mistakes. Like, I've, yeah, it's too it's late like, for me, but you can still save yourself. Like, I yeah, screwed, I've like, killed right. so many Chondras, it's insane. Yeah, like, don't yes. do this, because when I did this, this happened. So I'm telling you not to do that, because this will happen, you know? And I feel like everybody needs to hear that, you know? Every, nobody wants to... Not It's not even owning up, because honestly, shit happens. You know what I mean? Like that's things the go weird bad thing about everybody being make, human. You make, yeah, it's like you make mistakes. So it's like those things are going to happen to everybody. If you keep reptiles, you're going to go through bad experiences. You're going to make wrong decisions. You're going to make mistakes. But people need to know about that. Everybody wants to shy away and not talk about the time they didn't give their snake enough heat and it got a respiratory infection. You know, yeah. they don't want to talk about how they overheated an animal and fried it and you know because they thought it needed to be this hot or they got a cheap thermostat and it malfunctioned you know it's like you need to talk about the bad crap that you do this is why this is why i did it this is what happened this is why i'm not gonna do it again and people you know? don't want to do that now because just of the absolute dumpster fire Everybody, that, that it's, Facebook it's like, and stuff has become, where if yes, you admit that it, you screwed up like that, people are going to crucify you and tell yeah, you all the things and, that you should have done in their Monday yeah, morning quarterback it's, fashion. It's terrible, Absolutely. man. Yeah, everybody wants to bash you when you do something wrong. It's like, yeah, like, I get it. Like, don't get me wrong. If you're blindly stupid and you just do something wrong, like, I I, I might call you out, you know, but it's, it's one of those things. It's, you know, everybody's going to make mistakes, you know, and everybody needs to stop, you know, jumping on everybody as soon as they post something. Like, there was a thread on Facebook that I didn't even go through all the comments. There was, like, 130 comments. Somebody posted a jungle carpet in a tank with, with like, it had, like, a piece of bark in it you know something to get off the ground a water dish and like a couple fake plants and everybody jumped on their soapbox about not having a hide box you know and it's like granted yes that snake needs a hide box but it's so easy to be like hey that snake needs a place to hide this is why not hey you're a shit keeper you shouldn't have that thing get rid of it you know it's right educate don't don't bash. Well, you that's know? the thing too. Is like if you don't even have anything to add 
don't even comment. Like, don't bother. Half the time I see yeah. stuff on MVF that drives me nuts. I don't pipe up and say a word because it's like, it's not worth the time. Yeah. But there's well, going to be, kind of... there's gonna be 20 other people that say the same thing I'm going to say. So what's the point? Yep. At, well, yes, that it definitely is an echo chamber. But like that was kind of our thing too, was it educate people and don't bash them. But the, the education aspect from us was like for Ryan and I, you know, okay, I've, I've been doing it for 20 years. So here's the reason why I use X, Y, and Z because I didn't have that when I started or this was developed and you know, you have all this super cool modern equipment and a lot of it kind of is husbandry centered and, and trying to fix some misconceptions. Mm -hmm. And, but with the explanation of here is why, you know, that this new development came or we learned these things about these animals. Like, I'm not saying you screwed up. I'm saying you are missing out on a part of what you need to be doing. Right. You know, it, it just because you didn't know it, it is the literal definition of ignorance. You lack knowledge. It's not an insult to say that you're ignorant. You are literally lacking in knowledge. So I'm just telling yeah. you, hey man, stress in snakes, et cetera, et cetera. This is what a hide box does. Check it out. Needs to be dark, blah, blah, blah. That's why leaf cover doesn't work for a light. And then so on and so forth. Right. And you're, you're not an idiot because you didn't give them a hide box. You probably thought that leaf cover from the light was enough to shield them from your view. Okay. Well, here's why you need a box, you know, and it, it's just your approach, Yeah. you know, and yeah. definitely. For sure. Well, do we have anything more to cover, Smitty? I was curious, going back to like the rescue, what's the most interesting mm -hmm. thing you've had come in? Oh, um, interesting to the rescue. Gaboon Viper. No, I'm just kidding. Do you do you get venomous <laughs> okay, stuff? So, okay, so since you brought a Gaboon Viper, I have a good story for that. Uh-oh. Yeah. Um. We do have venomous things that come into the rescue. I will put a serious caveat on that to even start the conversation. In Illinois, you cannot have crocodilians, venomous, lace monitors, and or a Komodo, which is ridiculous anyway, but without, <laughs> without, without having uh, special use permits. You also cannot have state endangered species or federal endangered species without permits. That kind of goes without saying, but in our state, even rear fang is no go without a, a permit. Hmm. So we get that stuff dumped on us all the time. And is it people and, buying it and then realizing they can't have it or that they're not supposed to, or is it like it's government got a, a it and they're like, Hey, you guys want this? We took it from this dude's, you know, kid's bedroom. Both both so okay. we do occasionally get people that just show up and drop off a gator or something stupid and then we also are an outlet for the illinois department of natural resources to where you know we have held things that were confiscated because they you know someone had to go to trial or, or things like that um so the rescue itself it, it, its own entity it's it's run out of the president's house um she has her permits on file with the state to, to maintain those things. And then IDNR 
amends those permits and changes them as needed if something is being housed with her. Mm -hmm. And then because we are, my wife and I are both directors on the board, we are able to house those for her as members of the board. But then my wife separately went and got her own permits. So we have a smooth fronted Cayman. Um, we are in the process of getting a Boiga. Yeah, which and one? We have a Cyania. Yes. Nice. They're awesome. Um, and and uh, again, it was relinquished. It, you know, it, it came through that route. Um, we have a handful of state endangered species. We have one federal endangered species. And most of them came through that avenue. Um, so that does happen. But uh, most of the alligators in Illinois are processed through one individual, and then he places them for the state. And he, it's like actually a service he provides. Um, but we do, we do basically get everything else. Um, we've had people call us about cobras, people call us about rattlers, people call us about any size of alligator you could think of. Um, at one point, Erica had to house an alligator for the state, and she was also housing an ornate box turtle, which is an endangered species in our state. Um, and when IDNR came to her house, they took the box turtle and asked if she could keep the gator a little bit longer. <laughs> because the having the box turtle was a bigger deal and they were going to go through their law enforcement process mm. and so forth. Um, so she was like, dude, are you kidding? Like, do you understand <laughs> that this thing is sitting in the bathtub and you're taking the stupid box turtle? And nah. yeah, man, we, we really appreciate your help, you know? Um, but I, what else are they supposed to do? Like if, if they took it, it'd be sitting in the station house right. for the conservation. Like, there, there's nowhere to go. So we really are an outlet for that. Um, we try to be as accommodating for them as we can because we, we understand the, the need for the resource. Um, you talked about a Gaboon Viper. So there is a zoo in Illinois called the Wildlife Discovery Center, and they occasionally are an outlet for IDNR for venomous snakes. And because we, we don't, as a rescue, we typically don't deal with venomous unless it's just to hand it off to uh, an official. Right. Because it's because the rescue is out of someone's home, we didn't think that was appropriate to ask her to house that. So typically we don't, we just, we just facilitate for officials. Um, the zoo is able to, and they, they accommodate people and things. Um, it, most of their collection has since been transferred to the Kentucky Reptile Zoo. But the Gaboon Viper they got was found in a dumpster at O'Hare Airport. Oh, my God. Yep. Yep. Wow. So the zoo, the zoo, the curator of the zoo is a friend of mine. His name's Rob Carmichael. He's an awesome dude. And uh, he got a phone call. And it's the same way. Like, they send us pictures. And they're like, hey, guys, what is this? You know, because a conservation police officer doesn't need to know that. Right. You know? And... Rob was like, no one touch it. Close the dumpster. I'll, I'll be there as quick as I can. Yeah. Um, and that, that's touch it. Yeah. yeah. And that was in their collection for, for quite some time. Did they have like that's cameras like a, or something wild. to see someone dump it? Or like, that's just, it, you got to wonder so, how it, how it ends up there. So I, I probably should have given you guys a disclaimer before I started, but my day job is federal law enforcement. So I have a little more information oh, on crap, that than Jake, most people He's a do. narc. <laughs> yeah. Um, hang up, hang up. <laughs> no. So 
um, the person was smuggling it and they were being followed and figured out that they were being followed and they ditched the package in the dumpster. They wow. were subsequently apprehended and they went to check the package, assuming that it was drugs or some sort of <laughs> normal contraband. Surprise. Um, and, it, and that's what it was. Was it a big and one? So, wow. Oh yeah. She was a beast. Jesus. Oof. Yeah, she was a beast. And he actually um, at one time had a King Cobra, a beautiful King Cobra, um, multiples, honestly. And several of them came to him through that route. They were confiscations. Um, just some person that shouldn't have had it and wasn't doing what they were supposed to do. And then, and a, a lot of it, like I have friends in New York that, that work in law enforcement. Um, it's a thing. Like they serve warrants and they have a guy on call to come get the Cayman. Like it's just, it's a service now that people provide for people that are keeping things they're not supposed to or not nice. doing it appropriately. And it, on the, I know in, in that particular corridor, New York, New Jersey, um, it, it is a service that there is a, a man out there who provides that service. He comes and picks him up. And there's a man in Chicago the same way. The Chicago Police Department calls him Alligator Bob. Hmm. Like, oh, yeah, served a drug warrant. Call Bob. He'll come get the gator. It's just a thing. Jeez. People think they're Joe Exotic. Oh, God. <laughs> don't, don't even start. <laughs> Nah, it Ugh. sounds like they're lucky that no one got freaking hit by that thing. Like, I mean, if it was in a it was in a box, yeah. I assume they had to open that box to see what was in it. I'd probably piss myself if I didn't yep. know what was in it. Opened it up and saw that it was a you know massive gaboon. Even if I knew what it was, I'd still be like, Yeah, oh, then that's a snake shit. person. Yeah. I'd have dropped that box quicker than you could have said, "Oh shit." Uh, yeah. Well, and that was um, there was a a three foot alligator on the the train going into O'Hare Airport. Someone got on the train, set it up on the floor, and then got off the train so they wouldn't get caught. And wow. the train pulled into the airport. Well, and it, yeah. obviously there are cameras all over stuff like that. Yeah. And, and the, uh, the, the train operator called ahead and was like, hey, there's a big lizard on the floor. Somebody dropped oh, it out shit. of a box. There's a three-foot gator. Wow. People are nuts, man. That's wild. He was man. on his I way to New it. York to join Master Splinter. Right? That's how you do it. Oh, Dunstan man. checks in. That's before Jake's time. I don't think Jake would under would would, would know that reference. Well, Master Splinter? No, Dunstan checks in, man. Dunstan check now, I don't know that the one. The chimpanzee in the hotel. It's a movie. Dumb. What 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 movie is it? Dunstan checks in. <laughs> oh, it's that, the, that oh, that's the movie. the movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, there you go. Nope. I don't know. <laughs> don't know it. Well, we're at an hour forty-five. Uh, yes, we're about at that nice. time. So, so how can people find you? Yes. Where where can people look you up on the social medias? So it's. Cole Black Exotics on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, um, pretty much anywhere you can think of. Everything that we do is kid-friendly, so there's no bad language or anything like that. Um, Friends of Scales Reptile Rescue, same thing. 
Facebook, Instagram, uh, definitely check them out. We're heavily involved with them. It's a, a big plug. And then uh, this Saturday at CritterCon, you'll be able to see me if you buy a ticket and go to Joe's insane YouTube monstrosity. He will uh, <laughs> direct you to us. Oh, yeah. And that's going to be awesome, man. I'm super stoked that he, he made that happen. And then to, to have all the people that are that are doing the presentations, we it, it's just like the podcast, right? Like we cheated and we made a chat group and everybody got together and was like, yeah. okay, what are you going to do? So um, it, it's going to be four full presentations and we're not going to do any doubles of species. So wow, I mean, there'll be a, a ton of different animals and some really crazy stuff. Um, our 20 minutes is going to be all big lizards and the sulcata tortoise. So one of the, like my wife's thing that she's known for, she's a lizard lady. People give her a hard time. She, we have a 40 inch Argus monitor that she holds on her shoulder oh, like cool. a toddler. Um, and then we also, she uses baby carriers to uh, bring our tegus to shows, like the little slings <laughs> that sit on your chins. Yeah. <laughs> and so she, she's going to be home to do the show with me. And she hasn't done a lot of the Facebook Live videos because she is an essential employee, so she's been working. Um, my daughter, who is, again, raising her hand behind me, she's our, our cameraman. <laughs> um, but I knew if I had her with me that I needed to do the, the big stuff. So for our part of the presentation, we're going to do the Giants. Um, and then nice. everybody else is getting super diverse. The guys from Roaming Reptiles, they hooked up with M-Toxins Venom Lab out of Wisconsin. They're doing sort of a zoo setup on that side of the border. Nice. Um, they're, they're getting all sorts of crazy. Crosstown Exotics is going to start digging out the green anaconda and all the super fancy stuff they have. And then uh, Emily is going to do her full show that she does uh, when she goes to libraries and things, which is kind of animals from around the world. She does more of the, like different regions of the world and what they have. So. Mm -hmm. Everything from like a legless lizard to a boa to all sorts of different things. So she's going to get really diverse. So yeah, it, it's going to be awesome. Awesome, man. Yeah, I'll be at work, but I may I'll, I'll probably grab a ticket and at least have it on, even if I'm, you know, in and out with customers. Awesome. Support the cause. Yeah, man. That's right. All right, brother. Well, we really appreciate you coming on, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, this absolutely. has been really cool. Yeah, man. We. Had oh, hey, and I was going to tell you. You were talking on your release party last night on YouTube um, about people getting a little weird when you ask about writing articles. Yes. Um, dude, I, I had that feeling. Billy messaged me, and I was like, I didn't know that dude knew I existed. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah man, I, I would totally write. Like, it, I, I understand when people are, you know, what, are, are you really talking to me? Like, you want me to to do that yeah i mean i don't have I, an I issue getting people billy seems to billy's the one who's always like man I, I, i'm talking to like all these different people and everyone's like brushing me off and i'm like well, what do you like what do you what are you asking like what are you because <laughs> I, I have a feeling if i go to them they'll be like yeah totally so i don't know well my, my thing was that he he asked me a, like really specific about the turtles and then i had done a video on that like a couple of days before. Mm -hmm. And so I, he was, Oh, Hey, you want to, you want to write an article about this? And I was like, yo, where did, where did you dig that up from? And then my <laughs> wife was like, Hey man, three, three days ago, you already did a video. Oh, okay. 
So like I, it even took me a second to be like, did did you just Google like turtles and my name came yeah. up or like where did <laughs> that come from? No, I mean like, usually when I talk to people, I'm like, hey, you you know, I'll see them have a specific species or something, or you know, I'll want their specific take on on something in particular, and I'll be like, hey, you want to write? And they're like, what about? And usually it's like, I'll tell them whatever you want. You know, I really like that you have these, so if you're interested in writing about those, like I won't complain, but. I pretty much give people free reign over whatever they want to write about. Right. And dude, it's, it's turned out awesome. Thank you. I've, I've watched, I've read every one. The, uh, the next one's the all Condro issue. And I know Jake's super excited about it. Oh yeah. I heard, I heard he sounds motivated. So excited. <laughs> I forgot you were there when we had that conversation. <laughs> yeah. He was listening the whole time. <laughs> Trying to be polite, man. <laughs> But yeah, we definitely appreciate you coming yeah. on, man. Yeah, man. It's been a fun one. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, man. We'll holler at you All later. All right. Yeah, man. Take it easy. Well, uh, since we didn't do it beforehand, of course, this episode was brought to you by MP Cages and Exotics. Uh, he's got some of the best racks and cages in the industry. Check him out. He will not disappoint. And Steve Snakeshuary, Venom Hot Sauces. And Steve Snakeshuary doing a lot of good. That's right. His his hot sauces are the spice of life. Spice of life and his snakeshuary is another spice of life so yeah check him out check all the out all the stuff he's doing uh go, he goes to a lot of places does a lot of things he does a lot of edu- a lot of educational stuff like bill also does he's got a lot of educational um, videos he's got a youtube channel yeah. he's got a tiktok he's on instagram he's on facebook you know you just look yeah. up steve snakeshuary and there he is so check out those two awesome dudes doing awesome stuff for an awesome hobby that we love. And they are the greatest sponsors these two these two young boys with a podcast could ask. These for. hip young gunslingers. <laughs> for sure. But we but will this holler is, at y'all this next is, week. Yes. Y'all take it easy. Have a good night. All that jazz. See you next week. See you next week. Bye-bye.